Welcome, welcome back to the greatest podcast priest uh, pastor show on the entire planet. I used a lot of P's in that sentence. Uh, this is Father Kerry uh, Waku. It's a pastor of St. John Catholic Student Center on the corner of Miller and Nablaka here in God's country. And, and I'll introduce our guest here in a minute. But, but Father O'Brien is out uh, this uh, this week. And so we're recording all these shows and trying to get them on the air. Uh, so for you all who are college students, welcome almost back. Welcome almost back to college. It is starting soon and very, very soon. Soon and very, very soon here in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And my guest over here who is not a native but lives here in Stillwater, uh, he, he he hasn't been around here for very many, um, I mean, college summers turned into school years when the city of Stillwater swells by 25,000 people and cars come out of nowhere and Perkins Road is a logjam of people. So uh, for you all college students who uh, or parents or grandparents who are like, Oh my! My college student is going is going to issue. Well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get on your little Googleizer and Google St. John Catholic Student Center, Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, or go to buildingsaints.com or Catholic folks on social media. And there's lots of really cool events for college students. I'm going to remind you over the next couple of weeks on this podcast that there's a lot of great stuff for your faith life to build friendships, uh, for tailgates and mission trips and pilgrimages and Bible studies and becoming Catholic and learning more about your Catholic faith all going on at St. John Catholic Student Center. Am I right, sir? Yes, sir. 100%. You're spot on. I know. I know I'm always right. But don't ever tell anybody in the office that or your wife because your wife has worked at St. John since she was, what, um, 19 years old? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, anyway, I'm uh, I'm Father Kerry Wakulich, Father Brian O'Brien, uh, pastor of St. Francis Xavier's out for uh, the next uh, week. So uh, pray for him and his travels and his family. And so we got a guest today. And our guest today is a guy named B. Akins. B. Akins. Wait, wait, wait. That's too obvious. Brett A. Brett A. <laughs> Brett, Brett uh, introduce yourself to us. And then the good people of God and those who live on other planets. So one, thank you for having me, Father Kerry. I'm blessed to be here. Yes, my initials, oh, you are blessed. You are blessed to be here. My initials are B A. So my name is Brett Akins, and Father Kerry is correct. I am not from Payne County. Oh, sad day. Unfortunate for me. I grew up in a town called Hartshorn, Oklahoma, which is 15 minutes from McAllister, and grew up Catholic, cradle Catholic, and my parents raised me in the faith. And I would say, growing up, my religion was baseball. Oh, what? That's, really? That's what I did. I, oh, wow. I spent more time on a baseball diamond than I think I did investing my faith, which I'm ashamed to say now, uh, but I've came a long ways. Whoa. Okay, Brett Akins. Brett Akins. So, you are, how old are you right now? I am 26 years old. You're 26 years old, and let's just, let's just step back in a second. You're married. When did you get married? I got married in the middle of a pandemic. So, <laughs> I got married in 2020. Me which date? On which date? Very specific, because this says so much of the woman you married. If I forget this, I'm in trouble. May first is my wife's birthday, and it's also our anniversary date. So, and, and what's the what's the birthday of your son? April seventeenth. He was born on Easter. Uh, th- like your wife plans everything very strategically. Oh say? yeah. Well, either her or God planned it all out. I don't know <laughs> which one, but it worked little, out pretty little good. Little both of little both of. Uh, so you, uh, your God, growing up as a kid. 
was baseball. There's nothing like the view from the chief <laughs> Did I play too much, Jay? Is that is that a copyright <laughs> restriction right there? I, he said I was getting close. Um, I sounded I sounded like Alabama all of a sudden. Okay, so you uh, where'd you go to Where'd you go to undergrad college? So I went to Southeastern Oklahoma State University in Durant and du- studied biology. Oh, is it, is uh, it Durant or Durant? You know the locals call it Durant, but it goes by Durant like Kevin Durant as well. So it can go either or. Uh, had dreams of becoming a physical therapist, really? and I played baseball there. And so, like I said, Durant, Oklahoma, is a small town. So there was a Catholic church there, and I went on Sunday, but I did not dive any deeper into my faith. So yeah. I was one foot in, one foot out well, during okay. college. Let me ask you this: Were you a hostage Catholic, meaning like your parents made you go to church <laughs> uh, from uh, in utero till you went off to college? Were you a fire insurance Catholic, meaning that you were just worried about burning in hell, and so therefore you went to church, or you went there for the cute girls? Which one? Hey, I, I got to answer this. So my parents helped me out financially in college, and if I did not go to mass, I was not getting money coming my way. So oh, I needed to pay You were scholarship rent. hostage Catholic. Yeah. Parental so, scholarship. So yeah, I was in mass every Sunday, and there's a couple other guys from the baseball team that went to mass every Sunday. Well, what position did you play? Left out? Oh, no uh, way. And, and no guard way. and tackle? Come on, you got to Google my stats if you want on that. But I played, I played third base every day, uh, enjoyed it. Uh, the hot corner was definitely something I enjoyed. I'm glad I'm not missing any teeth from all well, the years. Because that, that, like someone is hitting a ball. Like yeah. Most batters are right-handed, correct? Most of them are. And, and so they smoke one down third base line? You know, the college level, you watch it on TV, the MLB, these balls are blistered off the bat and so yeah 14 miles an hour i saw an exit speed the yeah. other day leaving a baseball well, stadium we, we didn't have any aaron judges against us at southeastern but <laughs> we we still had some good players so yeah we had some balls come off hot i made some throws broke a few bones over the years but uh those are just battle scars uh, just battle scars of baseball but uh no at least i i stayed involved enough in my faith and once I left Southeastern, I went to, you're not going to like this at all, the University of Oklahoma. I'm sorry, where is that? Yeah. Uh, is that? Oh, who? Oh, who? Wait, it, wait, wait. The University of Oklahoma. Never heard of it. Never uh-uh, heard of her. Uh-uh. Um, so I started getting more involved there. I went to St. Thomas More, the parish there oh, on campus. they got a brand new church and student center for you all. Anybody you know, their kids are going to OU. Send them to St. Thomas More. It's South Lindsay, south end of the stadium, a couple blocks. Beautiful yeah. new church. It's not as nice as the one in Stillwater, oh, but it's a beautiful church. So I started diving deeper there, uh, started going to daily mass when I could. What? Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. What got you going from, you know, going because you got a scholarship from your parents to going to daily mass? Yeah, so what really sparked that is once baseball ended at Southeastern, I, I kind of didn't know where my identity was. What? And uh, Okay. I realized that baseball was not who I was. It was for a long time, but it wasn't who I wanted to be. Um, and so I started diving deeper to learn more about my faith and, you know, started going to adoration, started to do more, going to confession, uh, which was daunting because it was years before I went to confession. I didn't go once at Southeastern. And uh, did then, you go once in high school? Uh, I did go in high school. Yeah, I got confirmed. So I did go to confession. <laughs> you, got, um, you got through one you, when yeah. you received your sacrament of confession. But I, I remember uh, sweating bullets in the first time in confessional at St. Thomas More. And then I started going weekly. And so it really changed my life to understand mm. uh, how loved I was. And when I discovered that Jesus was present in the Eucharist, 
body, blood, soul, and divinity. Uh, that's what changed me from just attending mass into participating in the mass. Whoa. And uh, I've came a long way since then. I've married, have a kid, uh, get to work for St. John Catholic Student Center, evangelizing, leading souls to heaven. And uh, I'm very blessed, Whoa. to say the least. Dang. So. You look at your job as our, because de- uh, you're our new development director, saying that as evangelizing and leading souls to heaven? Yes, sir. The other day, someone asked me, you know, what do you do for a living? And I told them, well, I'm the director of development. And the first thing they said was, so you ask people for money. And I said, well, let's let's back up. I want to invite people to be a part of our ministry and evangelize people. And in the end, we've received some generous gifts by doing so. Uh, but my focus is to evangelize first and God will do the rest. Whoa, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, because that's what the, what when people support St. John Catholic Student Center, they're supporting our evangelization efforts at the college. And yeah. we're also sharing the gospel with them. Yeah. You know? I mean, in our $27 million of fundraising we've done, I mean, and we when we're asking wow. people, we're also sharing the the, the story of, of salvation history, star- showing showing them and sharing with them the love of Jesus Christ, their Savior. Yeah, and building saints for the kingdom is not a catchphrase or a slogan. It's it's what we're doing. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing. I say not what we're doing, um, and it's beautiful to work for the church and the uh, ministry. Okay, so uh, you said. Very, I think very beautifully, like when you discovered that Jesus was present there, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist, that was, that was like, a, that was a game changer. Oh, 100%. I used to, I used to be the guy that sit in the back of church and would look at my watch thinking, when am I getting out of this place? Um, <laughs> and now I have a crying baby at mass now, so we're still sitting in the back, but I'm, I'm diving deeper. I'm glad to be there. I'm participate. And the gospel mm. and, and doing more of my faith life throughout the week as well. You know, I try to go to one extra daily mass a week. I pray the rosary a couple times daily. A um, couple times a week or a couple times a day? A couple times a day. Really? Um, Whoa. Okay. And that's one of the things I started pretty recently. Uh, I was just doing it once a day, but I try to do it in the morning and I try to do it in the evening before I go to bed. But wow. one thing I do want to share, uh, the other day, my wife was not feeling so well, so we went to urgent care. And so I couldn't go in. They still had some restrictions on COVID. So I sat in the car. And have you ever heard of St. Bridget of Sweden? Uh, I actually have heard of St. Bridget of Sweden. Okay. So I don't know if you've heard about the 15 prayers of St. Bridget, but long story short, St. Bridget ended up having a vision from God. And he came to her in a vision and said, hey, I want you to pray these prayers daily for each of my wounds that I suffered during my passion. Okay. Okay. So it's 15 prayers, and if you say them every day for a year, you receive special indulgences, special graces from God. Special graces. Oh. But what I'm getting to is the reason I started doing that. Uh, I I just had this curiosity. Uh-huh. Uh My wife Taylor's grandparents have been praying it for years, and they mentioned it to me a long time ago, and it kind of went through one ear and out the other, uh, and then I ended up having some curiosity to figure out why are they doing that every day, and I looked it up. And I found out, wow, that's pretty cool. And then I realized it was her feast day on the same day that I looked up and had the curiosity. So I felt like that was just a, a saint stalking moment from her. <laughs> I love saints. Um, so Gosh. I now have a devotion to her now too. Cool. So it's it's been pretty cool. Okay. So you it just sounds like, how old are you? You're 28? 26. I look older. No, I, for hairs. some reason I thought you were 28. No. You're not 26. There yet. How old's your wife? My wife is 26. She turned 26 on May 1st. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. Because her wedding and her birthday are this uh, like six days apart. Yes, sir. And then sir. Beckett. Say, uh, named after St. Thomas Becca, the great uh, English saint. Okay, yes. so let, let's let's dive into this because we are, you know, in this year of Eucharistic renewal. Um, where, you know, the church has been saying, hey, we need to see some in people, some zeal for the Holy Eucharist, some restoration of, of love for the Holy Eucharist. Because, I mean, that stat went out that said like 70% of Catholics don't believe that Jesus is present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. And I say, well, psh, we, need to, yeah. we need to do some evangelizing and sharing. Okay, so what the what what are you reading? Because, you know, you, you had this book that you were reading. Because, you know, our staff, every Friday when we get to our staff meetings, everybody shares, like, what they're reading for their spiritual life. So tell me what you're reading. Awesome. I'm reading this book called Jesus, Our Eucharistic Love. What? And, <laughs> okay, where'd you get? Who, who's it written by? So— this book, let me give you the background on this book. Okay. So when St. John tore down the old church, they gave away tons of books. And so all these people were going in there grabbing catechism, grabbing all these good books. And there was like 20 books left. And I went in there and grabbed one that was cool. It had a cool cover photo. And the book is so old that the letters and everything and the pages are like brown. So <laughs> it looks like it's been through some Can years. Can I see that book real quick? You brought it with you. It's from 1972. Uh, um, you know those books that like has the cost in it. Um, it says, "It says Santuario del Miracolo <laughs> Eucaristico, Lanciano, Italia." That was my best attempt at um, at um, Italian. Oh, guess what? One copy is a dollar. Yeah. If you bought a thousand copies of it, they're thirty cents each. By the way. Not bad. Um, but please enclose a dollar fifty for postage and handling for every twenty-five books. Our yeah. Lady, uh, oh, it's from Brookings, South Dakota. Heck, I know where that is. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, whoa, nineteen seventy-three. This is older than me. It's it's a good read, and so a lot of it talks about uh, all the saints and their adoration and admiration for the Eucharist. And one clip I really like was Saint John Vianney used to get up at two a.m. every single day and go to the chapel and pray until high mass at 10 a.m. And so that's, that's eight hours. He would go there for eight hours, <laughs> and then he would spend the rest of his day, you know, either hearing confessions or continuing to pray. And it made me realize, like, this guy is spending that much time in front of the Eucharist. It's not too much to ask me for to spend one hour, two hours, three hours a week. I feel like that's something we should all challenge ourselves to do. Whoa. So, I mean, if he's a saint and he's doing it, why shouldn't I do it, Right. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the saints do also lots of incredible stuff, like bilocate yeah. and read souls and like kiss True. lepers' hands. None of that stuff I've done. But yeah. this, like, spending time with Jesus in the Holy Eucharist sounds pretty easy. Oh yeah, it, it was really special. And he's been a saint that I've really started to uh, dive deeper in his life a little bit. Um, another one was Saint Therese of Lisieux. It talks about her in the book, and I'm sure. The listeners out there know a little bit about her, but she's known as the little way. And she basically said that we can all do amazing things in amazing ways, but we can do little things in amazing ways each and every day. Mm. Um, and those little things don't go unnoticed. So she's, a, some say, the most prominent saint of all time. Now, some can argue that, but <laughs> she's pretty special. So She's uh, Therese of the Child Jesus, Therese of Lisieux. The doc, the first, I think she's the first female doctor of the church, or was that Teresa of Avila? Uh, I, think I think she was. She's a doctor. She died really young. I know that at age yeah. twenty-four. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. 
Oh, you have a knowledge base of the saints that's pretty darn incredible. Yeah. Okay, so you found this book, and then you do you take this book to your time of prayer, or you just read it at home, or when you're out walking, or what? I try to read it every day for you know maybe a chapter a day, which is like ten pages, and uh, it's a short book, but I try to really meditate on what I read. So instead of quantity, I try to go more quality and understand what I'm reading and apply it to my life. So I try to read it though. We do adoration, Father Carey, every week. We do. Uh, an hour, really, it's more like 30 minutes of adoration for our staff. So I take that time to read this book, meditate on it, and then I get to reflect with our staff on kind of what I'm reading. And uh, I think they've enjoyed it as well. I'm, there's been a couple people that said they want to read it when I'm finished. So yeah, it's it's been a nice book. I got it for free, so I think I got more out of it than what I paid for it. You didn't even pay the uh, dollar as the inside <laughs> cover recommends. Yeah, I need to give you guys a dollar. And a dollar fifty for shipping and handling plus inflation. That book was printed printed in seventy three. I stole the book actually, so I owe you a dollar fifty. Well, I can do what? it. You stole it. Yeah. Um, it was a giveaway pile, I think, at the end. It was. Uh, I think Lauren Lacey was going to um, push all the books into the dumpster. And everything else in the building, they t- they were going to tear down and just haul off. I think it's funny that this book was the one that was actually still standing. I mean, everybody else picked out all these new modern cool books, and I'm over here grabbing this old one from 1972, and it's got some uh, some substance to it. Wow. I've enjoyed it. Okay. So there's, there's a lot of really excellent books out there, especially on the Eucharist. There's uh, Vinnie Flynn's Seven Secrets of the Eucharist. Uh, uh, John Paul II has some, um, and uh, I think he has an encyclical um, on the on the Holy Eucharist. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, there's also just lots of writings uh, by Thomas Aquinas on the Eucharist. There's hymns about the Eucharist. Uh, there is uh, poetry. There's lots of stuff to really get the soul going. There's there's even some theology uh, on the Eucharist. Have you ever read? Have you ever read just like theology of the Eucharist? You know, I haven't finished Theology of the Body. I started it, and it was one of those books where it, a lot of it was very depthful. And when I started reading it, I wasn't where I'm at with my faith at the time. Uh, that is something I should probably dive back into. Yeah. I, I really, uh, I think I love, like, especially when, like, John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Yeah. Uh, when he's talking about, like, what is the human body? Uh, I, you know, in our culture right now, we don't know what a human body is. Right. And we don't know what it's also capable of doing because— what the what we what we know about the Eucharist, what we really know about the Eucharist is that our bodies are made um, for for eating God's body and drinking His blood. Right. Our bodies are made for it. Yeah, our our bodies are meant to receive the Lord in the Eucharist. That's that's life. That's how we receive eternal salvation. And uh, I think that that's something that we as Catholics understand. But I think it's something we need to remind ourselves of. Um, that when we receive Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, that is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior. Not just a wafer, not a piece of bread. It's not just wine. It's his body and blood. So, Well, I hear you saying this, and then I think back on, like, you know, why, why, why do you think God lets us fall in love with, like, you fell in love with baseball? Yeah. Why do you think God lets you fall in love with baseball? I fell in love with airplanes. I mean, that was my first girlfriend was the X-15, uh, the AC-130 Spectra. I'm going to go up in next week and see the SR-71 Blackbird in, um, it's like it's Hutchinson, Kansas. It's like, it's one of my favorite airplanes. Why does God allow us to fall in love with these other things? What do you think? You know, I believe that everything happens for a reason and that where we're at today is part of God's divine plan. 
And look at you, for instance, look at your story from where you've been and now becoming a priest. I'm sure if you were 18 years old, you would have never thought you'd be uh, part of the clergy, a priest. I, at- yes, I never thought that. And people never thought that of me, yeah. <laughs> except some little blue haired lady in the Air Force Base Church at Langley. <laughs> <laughs> you should be a priest. Yeah. You're crazy. But you you went full circle and, and so did I. I would have never thought that I would be in Stillwater, Oklahoma. One, I grew up an OU fan. So... Uh, don't be throwing tomatoes at me, but uh, I grew up an OU fan, and now I'm working for the ministry here in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and I love it. I don't want to move anywhere else. I told my wife, we are not leaving Payne County. So, Whoa, that's that's bold. Uh, but it, I think that part of it is part of divine, God's divine plan is if you truly seek him, he will lead you to where you need to be as long as you trust his plan and do his will. So it, it, so, so it sounds like the good God just sort of stirred you awake after baseball ended yeah i honestly i it was hard because i i really struggled with self-confidence after that because you know my confidence was if i had a good baseball game i was confident right but if as soon as that was taken away from me it's like who am i honestly and i had to really ask myself and it was a scary place i was at because i didn't know who i was and so when i found my identity in christ i had never had so much security in my life and and I would encourage others if you're struggling with anything in life whether it's habits addictions or just feeling like you're away from God seek him because you have to have your identity in him first and then everything will fall into place after that okay and so what's some good ways to seek God then you have to spend time with him you really? have to go to adoration you got to go to mass as often as possible and if you can't I mean I know there's people parents kids you have a busy lifestyle pray more often at home Spend more time at home just by a silent prayer. Spend more time Lectio Divina, which is divine literature, divine reading. Um, like any good friend, you have to spend time with them, and God is our best friend. So he Whoa. should be. He should be at least. <laughs> he should be at least. Yeah. So that that's what I would encourage listeners to uh, spend more time with the Lord because I promise you you'll never regret spending time with God versus scrolling on social media or focused on material things or focused on your career path, those things mm-hmm. will happen. Just focus on God and the rest will fall into place. You say that with such bold confidence. <laughs> well, I, I'm confident because I've done the wrong things before yeah. and that didn't get me very far. That didn't get you very so, far. So uh, I definitely know that uh, God's way is better than your own way. Yeah, that's a I, – I, you um, you you really like nailed a few things there. Um, I, I know when I – because my dream – was to be in the Air Force. I wanted to retire at the age of 40 from the Air Force. Wow. Enlisted when I was 18 years old. And, and it was this awesome adventure. And I this is what I wanted to do. And then you're right. Like when we leave something that we fall in love with, that we actually kind of make it our love or make it our God, that when it disappears from us, we no longer have our identity in it. And we're like, okay, what or who am I now? Yeah. And I, 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 uh, I, I mean, you know, I've never heard you talk about this in yeah. such a such a way, because I, I feel like what uh, mm-hmm. that when I was, you know, twenty four years old, I was drawn to the Holy Eucharist too, yeah. in, in a way. Uh, I, I remember when I was stationed in Korea at this little army post, Camp Humphreys, and it was we had an Air Force detachment there, so I, I would, um, but in our in our post chapel at the army post there where I got confirmed, we had a closet with the Eucharist in it. Oh. And so before mass, 
I would go in there and pray in that chapel only because I saw other people. But there was this draw. There's some sort of stirring. And then when I um, I moved from Korea to Langley Air Force Base in Virginia, I was I went to I um, I started going to college classes and working as our at our satellite teleport. And I would go to daily mass because it was across the street from the gym almost accidentally. And there was this draw uh, to Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. Like I would go into that chapel. There was a so it was the Air Force it was the Air Force Base gym. And then directly out the front doors was this beautiful stone church and this little chapel. That's really where I got my like like my my this some sort of love for the mass. And then when I moved to upstate New York when I was running away from my vocation in the priesthood, in Albany hmm. we had there was a shopping mall, like a strip mall, and they had Eucharistic adoration during the day there. And so I would go, I had this like workout routine. I would work out, I would go to mass, I would go to the Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, and then I'd go to work. And and there was always this constant draw to greater love and just quality time with Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. Uh, I guess not because, and I think you're saying the same thing, there's there's this love there, not because as you said, it's not just a piece of bread or a little wafer no. or some sort of a material object. But there he is, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the, in the Holy Eucharist. He says, this is my body, this is my blood given for you. Do this in memory of me. Or he says, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life. You even mentioned that. This is yeah. where we get eternal life. He says, yeah. you have no Zoe life in you. You have no eternal life in you. So oh. I, I would, um, I would, I guess, retweet everything you just said. <laughs> Uh, I would take away for me baseball and wife and kid, but yeah. other than that, I think it's a it's a parallel story. Yeah, and and thank you for sharing that because that was pretty cool. I didn't know that about you either, but when people ask, you know, what's so special about the Catholic faith? That's what I tell them is Jesus Christ is present, and we are receiving Jesus Christ, the guy that died on the cross. That's him. We are receiving him, and they're like, whoa, it, like. You know, this is not crackers and grape juice. Like, this is <laughs> not crackers and grape this juice. This is the real deal. You know, <laughs> I'm paraphrasing the conversation, but it's the real deal. And, you know, listeners out there, I would also, there's another book I would encourage you to read. And, Father, you've probably read it. It's by Scott Hahn called The Lamb Supper. Oh, yeah. I read it years ago. Like, sure. Oh, it's beautiful. It talks all about the Mass and how all the angels and saints, okay, we encounter them, encounter Christ in the Mass. And it, gives you an idea to look at Mass as not just something you mark off your list as saying, oh, I went to Mass this week. No, it gives you a new meaning on why we go to Mass and what's happening in the Mass. And Scott Hahn, one of his comments in the book are, the Mass is when heaven and earth collide and Uh, we worship our Lord and Savior to the best level. Yeah, yeah. You know, in the in the new church, uh, right above the you know the upper wall where the twenty four elders are. Yes. Remember, we have that paint the saints. Yes. I mean, okay, where the twenty four elders are, written right underneath the saints' feet, uh, going across that curved top of the apse, it says, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Heaven and earth are full of your glory." It's because you're right. I mean, that, Scott Hahn. What does he do? He gets that from the Book of Revelation that, mm-hmm. and from the prophets that 
heaven and earth are colliding together in this collision course, uh, uniting the saints and angels with the heavenly pe- the heavenly people with the earthly people, the the the, the church in its fullness, minus the people in purgatory. Uh, but right. also, it's where God dwells. Right. Well, and he even dove deeper on the book of Revelation and its connection to the Mass and the liturgy. And, and that's probably a story for another day, but definitely recommend reading that book because if you're having uh, some unfamiliarities about the Mass, that book will answer a lot of questions you may have. Oh, so, you're getting a lot of reading in. I try to read. I got a three-month-old, so when I get a chance of silence, I want to read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? What, you, uh, do you and your wife, do you share these things with your wife? We do. We, we try to pray together daily, and of course, when a three-month-old, we both have different responsibilities, but... We make time together to pray together in the morning and before we go to bed. And she does her own reading. I don't twist her arm on reading. Uh, she does better when I a leader, but don't force her. So uh, she's got a mind of her own on the reading sometimes. So I let her choose her books. I choose mine, but it works out good for us. Wow. But you, you all share with each other what you've been reading? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Another book that she's been reading on is about the life of Louis and Zelie Martin. Oh, so, Trizzle Zoo's parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, Y'all are a little saint squad over there in that house. We're working on it. We're yeah. trying to trying to lead souls to heaven and be open to life. So we're working on it. Cool. I love it. I love it. Okay, Brett Akins, you're our development director at St. John Catholic Student Center. We only have a few seconds left, but uh, I just want to thank you for all the excellent work you've done uh, for the mission of St. John Catholic Student Center and your constant turning and reminding me to love the Lord Jesus more. Uh, remember, buildingsaints.com. College students, welcome back to Stillwater. Uh, Remember us in Stillwater and come visit. Peace. Peace.